I'd like to invite Pastor Derek to the stage. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much. Well, it's good to be in the house. Would you agree? All those that are in the patio, all those that are listening at home, we honor you. We respect you. We love you. It just feels so good, doesn't it? The the presence of God is in this place, and I'm just feeling it so strongly right now. Um, I just want to challenge you. Keep on stretching yourself during this time. Don't allow the enemy to take away your gift, which is to the body of Christ. You are so needed in this body. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Well, listen, if you've ever eaten eaten pho, say pho. You know what pho is? For most people, yeah, it's not a cuss word. It's actually a really, really good soup. And it's spicy, and Kyra and I love it. We love it, Boomba way especially. Uh, there's something about it that we just can't get enough of. Friday, we had our date night. And it was a little different than normal because we had it in the car, eating pho in the car, which is extremely difficult. And let me just tell you this. Pho is not one of those foods that you can be proper with. It, it splashes, church, and you, you slurp, and you sniffle, and you have a bunch of napkins when you're eating pho. And it was so fun in the car, and we were just looking at each other. And this is not a first date meal. You don't, you don't have fun because by the end of the day, by the end of the time we ate, I looked like I had measles all over. It was just little, little uh, boomba way spots all over my, my face. I remember back when we were dating 33 years ago. In fact, we just celebrated our anniversary last Friday. <clears throat> but... When we dated that first date, I'll tell you, we went to Chili's, and I was so proper. I had so, the manners were off the top. I ate like a bird. I even cut my hamburger in half. Church, I never cut my hamburger in half. But for that date, I, I did it. But I'll tell you, there are some moments where when you have to just get real eating, you have to get real, amen? And since that time, We've gotten real eating food. We just enjoy food. We celebrate together. As it relates to our current situation in the Bay Area, I will admit I'm a little, getting a little weary of all the considerations I need to do for social distancing. Can I get an amen? I mean, I'm respectful. I want to do it. I want to honor all those that are around me. But I'll tell you, to remember everything and the distance and the everything you have to do, it's getting tough. Because church, I am not naturally like this. I, I'm what you call a hugger. Say a hugger. I, I, I invade people's uh, space. And, and if a person is aloof, I, I try to make them more relaxed. That's just who I am. And, and it's really hard in this season of just standing back and, and, and having my distance. But I want to challenge you right now, because as we get back into church, as we get into church life, as things lift around us, I I, I want you to be challenged to stretch yourself, take those necessary risks to get back into church life. Amen? 
to start because the church needs us, don't we? We need each other. We need each other's physical presence. We need the anointing we all have. We need the accountability that we have with one another. And so I want to challenge you with that. With that said, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. We're going to look at a very interesting story in the Word of God that's going to bring to light some things in our life. So it begins by saying, now it happened. As he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man. Spoke to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. And he took him, that is the one that had dropsy, and healed him and let him go. Now in that few verses, there is a lot going on. First of all, after I read this, the first question I have is, why would Jesus consider going to a mill when he knew it was a trap? It was a trap. They were looking for him to say something that would incriminate him. But yet we see in the word of God that he did it and why. Well, the why is in verse 2. Because it says there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. Jesus took the risk because there was someone there that needed his help. Amen. He's the same today as he was 2,000 years ago. The spirit of Christ is in this room because you, he knows you need him. Isn't that good? He knows you need him. Now, let's get into this condition of this man. He had dropsy. Dropsy is the ancient term used for edema. It's when our, our body swells because of the fluid that is released in our body. And, and it, is, is, it is caused by usually kidney failure and also heart failure. So this was a serious situation. So did the Pharisees use this man to trap Jesus, thinking that he would heal him and then claiming, hey, you did it on the Sabbath? I don't think so. Because if they did that, they would also incriminate themselves. Because at the time, eating with the sick was not a good thing. It was considered unclean. So they would incriminate themselves eating with the unclean. I, I believe the Pharisees were looking to incriminate Jesus with his words, not with his actions. So we see this person, and how did he get in this, this group being sick? Well, he wasn't a guest, I don't think, because as a guest, people would know that he had this condition. I believe he was hired help. I believe he was either a waiter or a cook or someone that was helping around for this meal. And he knew that he could get away with it. You know, you just wear bigger clothes, don't you? You wear bigger clothes, you kind of disguise what you have because he needed to work. There's a lot of people that need to work right now. Can I get an amen? And he disguised himself and, and, I, and I feel like he was, he was doing this just to get by. And he knew he could get away with it. Because no one pays attention to the hired help. 
They just focused on Jesus and trying to capture Jesus at his words. But we see here that he thought he was going to be okay and that no one would mind his, his, his condition. But while everyone was watching Jesus to trap him at his words, guess where Jesus' eyes were? He was watching the man that had edema. He was watching the man that had dropsy. And I don't know how he found out. Maybe he saw a limping. Maybe he saw a grimace in his face when he, when he was uh, serving. He saw something. Maybe it was the Spirit of God that said, this man needs help. Whatever it was, how many know Jesus knew? And at the moment, nothing else mattered to Jesus. No one else mattered in the room that needed healing. And notice in verse 4 what he does. I love this. And he took him, that is the man that was sick, and he healed him and let him go. Okay, just for a moment, imagine this, 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 this moment. What an amazing moment. We see Jesus get up from where he is. And I could just imagine what Jesus did. Maybe the man was serving someone at the table. Maybe he was just standing from afar off watching the guest eat. But whatever it was, Jesus walked over from where he was, stood up, walked over, reached out to that man. And I don't know what he did, but I can imagine maybe it was his legs that had edema or his abdomen. But whatever, maybe he kneeled down and put his hand on his abdomen or on his legs and said, you are healed. What a beautiful scene, amen? What a beautiful scene to see the Savior heal this man. And suddenly the swelling and the shortness of breath and every symptom he had just went away. He was healed. Can I get an amen? Now imagine the dinner guest. <laughs> totally shocked. First of all, that the person that was serving them had uh, dropsy. And second of all, that Jesus healed this person. And although they had evidence that Jesus healed on the Sabbath, they couldn't say anything because they were incriminating themselves because they were eating with an unholy man. When it comes to God and how he desires to work in our lives, it's the same. Just like he did with that man, he ignores our rules of social distancing. He ignores them. He doesn't care about your desire for privacy or your desire just to, to do things alone. He is for your wholeness. And if it means that he has to in interrupt your privacy, how many know he will? Can I say amen? Like that man, let's be honest, we're pretty good at giving the impression that we're doing fine when we're not. Like that man, we know how to guise our emotions. We know how to guise our feelings. But how many know Jesus is not going to be fooled by how we give an impression that is fine when he knows we're not? You know why? Because everyone could be looking at all other places, but Jesus is focused on you. He's focused on your need and what you're going through. He's not distracted by how well put together we are or what we have 
or how we say we don't need God, it doesn't matter to him because he knows our heart issue. Like 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at what? The outward appearance, but what? The Lord looks at the heart. As a kid, as a 13-year-old kid, I encountered two bullies on the way home from school one day. And the way I would walk home from school is I would walk across the railroad tracks, down a ditch, jump the ditch, and then to my house. And so I crossed the railroad tracks, went down to the ditch, and there two boys were waiting. And they were smoking, and, and so I jumped the ditch, and they said, whoa, 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 what are you doing down here? I said, well, I'm just trying to get home. He says, not today. You go another way. And so I was scared. I went another way. And church, I did it for a week, and it took an extra 45 minutes to get home. And I remember one day my sister at that time was driving. She was 16 years old. And she's driving, and she sees me walking home, and she pulls over and she said, Derek, why are you going this way? It's a lot it's a lot quicker going the other way. And I didn't want to tell her about the bullies, but I said, you know what? I just got bullied. And she said, well, where was this? And she said, it was down by the ditch. And she said, you know what? I'll take care of it. You'll be fine tomorrow. She got a couple of her boyfriends to come and I don't know what happened, but guess what? Those guys were gone. The devil is always threatening us to submit to a lesser life than God has for us. And he does this by breeding fear in our hearts with thoughts that we're not healthy enough, we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not rich enough. And instead of fighting these thoughts, we often give in to them. That man with dropsy had no alternative but to live the life he was living to guise his condition because he had to work until Jesus came. Until Jesus came into the scene. And notice how Jesus healed his condition. Notice how Jesus interrupted his life. It wasn't as we might think. For church, listen to me closely. The issue was a private issue. It was a private issue that had a lot of ramifications. An issue that had to be dealt with sensitively. For if people knew that he had dropsy, he would be unclean. And so when Jesus came to dinner that night, how many know that hired help? He knew, he knew that Jesus could heal him. But why, how could he talk to a rabbi when he himself was unclean? And Jesus, in the same, he knew that that man needed healing. And how easy would it have been, listen to me closely, for Jesus to pull him aside privately. Hey, 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 can I, can I talk to you? And just pull him over and say, listen, man, I know you have dropsy. And, and let me just pray for you in Jesus' name. Well, he is Jesus. And in my name, be healed. So used to praying that way, amen. But this is this how he does it? No, not at all. He takes a very private issue and makes it extremely 
public, in the presence of the critics, in the presence of people that are judgmental. And you might look at it and criticize this thought. It's like, come on, Jesus. Bring this guy to one of your crusades. Pull him over to the side. Just, just heal him privately or at least away from these mean guys. But Jesus was not just about the healing of this man, rather the fame of it. Rather the fame. Say fame. In the 30 years of being a minister and all the miracles that I've seen and deliverances that I've seen, literally in the thousands, I can count on my hands the ones that have been done privately. The ones that have been done just, and I've, and, and I've done those privately, but, but they're very far and few between. And here my heart, I'm not putting God in a box. He could do anything he wants and he's healed me privately. But in my experience, in my experience, it seems like he wants to do his work when there is witnesses present. When there's people present. Let me give you a verse. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. You are, say I am. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Church, it's easy to look at this verse as if it's a victory march. As if after he has done something good, it's like, thank you, Lord. I'm a chosen person. I'm a royal priesthood. Thank you for healing me. But church, I don't see it this way. For you are not just a chosen generation when you are at the top, but you are a chosen generation when you're in the valley. It's easy to look at this verse and say, no, 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 no. But God wants our testimony. He wants our testimony, not just after the work is done, but why the work is in progress. What's the better witness when they see your good attitude and praise God after he performs the, the, the good work, the miracle, the, the financial blessing, or in the middle of it, or at the beginning of it when you're praising God and you have a good attitude at the beginning See, skeptics can agree or argue that people only believe in God when they get what they want. But it's hard to sell that argument when you see people praising God in the midst of their struggle. We all believe that God doesn't do evil. Can I get an amen? But he can take evil for and use it for his own good. I love what Joseph told his brothers after he rose to prominence. He said, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people or save many lives. Say fame. Are you willing to let God heal you? Are you willing to let your private issue be public for the sake of God's fame? I know what the devil wants. He wants our stories and our struggles 
to be kept private so that no one can benefit from that. And the way he does this is through shame. Can I get an amen? We all know what shame is. The shame of why do I have this hurt? Why do I have these fears? Why do I have this, this, this broken marriage? Why do I have this depression? Why do I have this illness? Why, why do I have this? And because of it, we shrink back. And we don't reach out. And because of it, the church is robbed, church. It's robbed. It's robbed of, 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 of seeing your process. It's robbed of helping you. And it's robbed of seeing the miracle. See, God wants us to resist the shame for the sake of God's glory. <clears throat> this is why the Apostle Paul said, my, His grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. Say pleasure. In infirmity, in reproach, in need, in persecution, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can I get an amen? This church, the world around you, they need to see that your struggles, your issues, your private issues are, are brought to the throne room of Jesus Christ. They need to see the process. They need to see the power of God being placed on your life. Our nation, and I, I believe everyone that hears my voice in the patio, at home, wherever you are, our nation needs healing. Can I get an amen? And sadly, we're not going to get this healing through our anger, our cry for justice, although it is, it is needed right now. But even after all the justice happens, even after all the rights are made wrong, it still will not produce peace. Because peace does not come through this. It comes through the blood and the power of Jesus Christ. And for this reason, Jesus needs his church to show forth his power on this earth. Can I get an amen? Like the Bible says, and I want to close with this verse. James 5, 14 and 16. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Let them anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith. Say faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Church, listen to my heart. Many of us are going through a private battle right now. But you need to ask yourself, Lord, is this private battle need to be shared? Do I need to get it out there for the sake of your fame and for your glory? Let God use your struggle for his fame. Ask God to use your struggle, your story 
Talk to someone about it. Pray with someone about it. Go to a brother and sister about it. Can I get an amen? We cannot do this alone. We were called to, to do this together. Amen? <clears throat> I want to challenge you. I want you to bow your heads right now all over this place. Where you're sitting at home, in the patio. I just want to take a moment to pray for you. Lord, I don't discount the, the battles. I don't discount the struggles. I don't discount the, the issues that are happening right now in, in, in lives across this church and beyond this church. But Lord, there is an answer and it's not just keeping it inside. It's surrendering it to Jesus Christ. It's saying, Jesus, I need your help. I can't do this alone. It's taking that private issue and bringing it in the audience of at least two or three and saying, I need some help here. I need some help. I need the church of Jesus Christ. I need the power of God to help me. Lord, I know all of us have been used to, we've been three months plus in this state of social distancing and I get it I know why we're cautious we want to be safe but Lord there's a point where we need to call out we need to reach out we need to connect and I pray that you would just stir us up Lord we have been not been called to walk alone and I pray right now that you would give us the strength and the courage to speak up to share our needs with one another, whatever that is. Whatever that is, if it's a hurt, if it's a brokenness, if it's a fear, if it's a sickness, Lord, let us be willing to bring our story into light for the sake of your kingdom being fulfilled. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, would you just praise the Lord with me? I'm going to close this service for our online audience and then there's going to be some ministry time. But I want once again to say thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being a part of this church and for taking the risk, whatever risk that means to you. We so appreciate you. I look forward to seeing you next week. May God bless you, encourage you, and may his peace be on you in Jesus' name.